It's always good to be able to come and worship God, and hopefully everything that we do is always pleasing in God's sight, and uplifting and encouraging uh, to each and every one that is here. As a preacher, many times people will ask me questions about something that they want to know about, uh, maybe something they're having a doubt about, or they want to know my opinion on something. And they usually phrase it something like, in your opinion, is it right or wrong for a Christian to... And you can fill in the blank. Is it right or wrong to dance? Is it right or wrong to play the lottery? Is it right or wrong to social drink? Is it right or wrong to smoke? Is it right or wrong to use uh, marijuana? Is it right or wrong to tell a little white lie? Or is it right or wrong to miss a service? People always have opinions and always ask questions. And sooner or later, I think every preacher gets asked questions like that. I'm sure elders and classroom teachers all have the same uh, kind of questions directed to them. And many times when the answer is given, the person who asked the question will not accept the answer. It's not what they want. It's not what they want to agree to. And so they will sort of say, well, that's just your opinion. And after all, my opinion is just as good as your opinion. And that is true when it comes to opinions. But I try many times, and as I know a lot of preachers do and a lot of elders do, that when we ask, answer questions like that, that we look to the Bible for our direction. And so if we disagree with what God's Word says, then we got a problem with God, not with the preacher or the elder or someone else. And many people believe that there are many gray areas in our lives, areas where right or wrong cannot be determined. And I don't believe that there are as many gray areas as people would like for there to be. And so tonight I want to answer or ask some questions that I think will help us to determine what is right or wrong. And this is not some new sermon that I preached. I've used this, uh, these questions before and I've, uh, I want to encourage you. I think it's good to uh, be reminded of some things that help us to determine what is right or wrong. That helps us to realize that we need to be pleasing to God, not me, not to someone else. It's what God says that matters. And so, as a Christian, we need to realize that God answers many of the questions that we have doubts about. And so, you can write down the questions that I'm going to ask, and hopefully they will help, for, help you as you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider those answer questions as they apply to the questions that you have in your mind. Remember, you must be honest with yourself. And be willing to accept the conclusion that God's word gives us. And when you're asking in your opinion, is it right or wrong? I think one of the first questions that we need to ask is, can I or am I commanded not to do it? Is there something in the Bible that says not to do something? And I think that there are many areas where we can look at a specific thing in our lives. And we can say, well, the Bible doesn't specifically address that. But there are principles in the Bible that do address the situation that we may be dealing with. And so I think that the first question is, am I commanded not to do it? Or am I commanded to do it? And James chapter 4 and verse 17 is a very frightful uh, scripture. It tells us in that verse, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a sin. So if God tells us to do something, if his word is there telling us to do something or not to do something, then that pretty much settles the matter. There is no matter of opinion. It's what God's word says. And so when we're thinking about whatever question you may have, 
in your mind, ask that question, am I commanded not to do it? The second question is, can I do it to the glory of God? Can I do something that gives God glory, that makes uh, the name of Christ stand out, that's going to draw people in, that's going to lead them to God? In 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, verse 31, it says, Whether <clears throat> therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Something as simple as eating or drinking is something that we need to think about glorifying God. God is who we're here to serve. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're the light of the world. And then it tells us that we are to glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's our goal in this life is to glorify God. It's not to glorify me. It's not to glorify you. But it's to glorify our Heavenly Father. That's our whole purpose in life. And that's why we obey the gospel. As I mentioned this morning, one of the reasons why we're here is we love God. And we love God to the point where we want to obey Him. We want to do His will and we want Him to be glorified. We want His name to be uh, exalted in the world that we live in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? This body, your body, if you're a Christian, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. He owns us. He's bought us with a price. And that price was the blood of Christ. Not the price of gold or silver, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we belong to him. And so can I do what we're, the question may be? Can I do it to the glory of God? Is his name going to be glorified? Third question. Can I do it in the name of the Lord? In other words, can I do it by his authority? Is it something that he instructs me to do or gives me the glory or the ability to do it? In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It doesn't say some things that you do. It says whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We need to realize that what we're doing, we need to have God's approval. We want to be pleasing to him, as we can see with the other questions that we've asked. We want to have him accept our lives, accept what we're doing. And so can we do it in the name of the Lord? We can look at it as something as simple as baptism. When we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So that means that we're doing it by the authority of the Godhead. We baptize people for the remission of sin. Why? Because we have the <clears throat> authorization from God's word to do those things. And so again, when we do something in the name of the Lord, that means that the Lord approves it. And that's what we should be looking for, not to try to fit in with the world, not to become as close to the world as we possibly can without stepping into it. But our goal should be to glorify the name of God and to do it to his glory and pleasure. And then we need to ask another question. Is it of the world? Is what we're asking about, is it part of the world? I think sometimes when questions are asked, the real reason people want to do the, what the world is doing. And they don't really want to accept what the Bible is teaching. And so they argue that the world is, or the, the times have changed. Well, times may have changed, but God hasn't changed. And God's word hasn't changed. And God still expects us to be obedient to his will. And so we need to ask ourselves, is it of the world? In 1 John chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 15 through 17, John writes, 
No, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So is what you're wanting to do or questioning, is it part of the world? Is it something that the world would do? Should God's people do those things? Should we do the things that the world does just because the world is doing it? So ask yourself, is it of the world? And if it is, then maybe you shouldn't do it. And another good question, would Jesus do it? And I've asked people that question in, in answer to their question that they've asked me. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, <clears throat> For even hereto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. That's a great question. Would Jesus do whatever it is that you're asking? Can you picture Jesus out social drinking? Can you picture Jesus out smoking a joint? Can you picture Jesus out on a dance floor? Can you picture Jesus in a lot of different circumstances that people are always questioning and asking about? I think the answer is no. Because many times we wouldn't even want to see our mother or father doing some of those things that people are questioning. And so we need to ask the question, would Jesus do it? Because Jesus is our example, and we are to walk in his footsteps. And then another good question, <clears throat> does it have the appearance of evil? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. There are some things that have an appearance that they're wrong, and we shouldn't be involved with those things. And so that's a good question that we can ask or need to ask ourselves, should we abstain from it because it has the appearance of evil? Notice the Bible doesn't say, well, try it out and see how you like it. The Bible says there are some things in this life that we need to stay away from. Don't involve ourselves with. Why? Because sometimes we get involved with it, you can't let go. It's sort of like that monkey that I've talked about years ago. That The way that they would capture it, they put a hole in a box and he'd stick his hand in there and he'd grab the fig and all he had to do was let go of the fig his hand would come out of the box, <clears throat> but he would hang on to that fig until his captors came and hauled him away. And sometimes we get caught up. You know, one time won't hurt. No one will ever know. And then we get involved with it and we can't let go. And that's the way sin is. Sometimes it's very hard to let go. And sometimes it's best to avoid it to begin with. Is it okay to social drink? I guarantee you one thing. If you never take that first drink, you'll never be an alcoholic. That's one thing I can guarantee and you can guarantee the same thing. And if you never smoke that first joint, if you never do that first set of drugs, guess what? You'll never be a drug addict. So those are guarantees that we have. So sometimes it's best just to avoid it and stay away from it. <clears throat> and that's the, question, or the point that I think is being made there in First Thessalonians chapter 5. And then another question that we could ask, is it a weight? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and a sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Is this something that's going to slow me down in living the Christian life? How many times have we had the opportunity to 
confront somebody about sin, but yet we look at our own lives and we're doing the same thing that they're doing, and so we don't. We don't take God serious, so how can I tell someone else to take God serious? I'm not living the Christian life myself, so how can I tell someone else you need to improve on what you're doing? <clears throat> sin sets us back. Sin is a weight that slows us down. Remember that. Ask yourself, is it a weight? The eighth question, can I do it <clears throat> when I remember that the Holy Spirit dwells in me? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This body, your body, if you're a Christian, has Christ living in you, God living in you, and the Holy Spirit living in you. And when you know that they're living in you, and you know that God... And what he says about sin and how sin separates us, why would we want to put something in our body or do something with our body that we know that God is against, that God would not want us to do? And so ask yourselves, can I do it when I know that the Holy Spirit is living in me? Another question. Is it an example of a Christian, one that believes in God, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, <clears throat> Paul told Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We are to be an example of a Christian. That means not only here in this building on Sunday, but we're to be an example of a Christian as we go out into the community that we live in. When we go into the workplace, when we go into the schoolhouse. Wherever we go, we are to be an example of a Christian. Next question is, could it be a stumbling block? In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, But take heed, lest, <clears throat> lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block <clears throat> to them that are weak. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 13, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse 21 of that same chapter. <clears throat> it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. People are watching us. I don't care who you are. Someone is watching you. I know that there are people that say, oh, I don't want people to look at me as a role model. You don't really have a choice in the matter. People are looking at you as an example, whether you like it or not. Parents need to understand that they're an example. And they don't want to be a stumbling block to someone. And when we choose to do something that may be questionable, it may be a stumbling block to someone. I'm sure many of us have been in situations where somebody did something that just kind of shocked us. I've heard members of the church use foul language and it just kind of threw me <clears throat> because didn't expect that. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about Christianity and racism, I've heard elders that used words that they should not use. Shocks you when you hear those kind of things. Well, guess what? Your life can shock people too. And you need to understand that you can become a stumbling block to someone 
just by the wrong choices that you may make. And so be conscious of that. As parents, be conscious of the children that you have in your home. As a husband and wife, be conscious that you can become a stumbling block to your mate. Be conscious of the stumbling block that you can become to your fellow Christians. The next question, would you want your children to do it? I think many times the answer to that question is very simple, very easy. How many times have parents said, don't you do that, but yet they're doing it themselves? In Ephesians chapter 4, or 6 and verse 4, <clears throat> It says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, <clears throat> but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Those passages of the scripture are very important because fathers have a great responsibility in teaching their children. But we also see that part of a child's uh, uh, <clears throat> knowledge or learning is to be trained. Sometimes you have to say things over and over and over and set the right example over and over and over so that they see the importance of it. And I think that, the, you know, for example, is it okay to social drink? Would you want the pilot on your airplane to have a social drink before he took off in an airplane? Would you want your surgeon to have a social drink before he come into the operating room? Would you want your daughter to have a social drink before she goes out on a date? I think we know the answers to those questions. Would you want your children to do it? And that's an important question that we should ask. <clears throat> the next question is, when Jesus returns, would you like to be found doing it? In Revelation 2 and verse 10, <clears throat> it says, Fear none of these things, or those things which thou hast suffered. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we shall have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Brother, we need to understand that the Lord is going to return. We don't want to be involved with something that we know that we shouldn't be doing. <clears throat> we know that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, <clears throat> for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. And so it's important that we be living the Christian life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. That's how important it is because when the Lord returns, you don't want to be doing something that you know is questionable, that you know is wrong. And knowing that you have an opportunity to do the right thing, not doing what you know you should. Thirteenth question. Is there any doubt in your mind? In Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. He that doubteth is damned <coughs> if he eat. Because he <coughs> eateth not of, the, of faith. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Is there doubt in your mind? Then you probably shouldn't do it. Now, there are some things in the Bible that are taught that we're supposed to do that some people want to have doubts about. That's not something that you should doubt about. If the Bible is very specific, then you need to be obedient to the Bible. There shouldn't be any question about it. 
You shouldn't have doubts about it. But if there's something that you are at liberty to do or not to do and you're questioning it, then you shouldn't do it. And that's what the Bible teaches us. So there are some things that may be okay for me and not okay for you. Some things may be okay for you but not for me. Those are matters of opinion. And if you doubt those things, then you shouldn't do those things. Will it make me a better Christian is another question. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, Peter says, And besides this, giving all diligence, <clears throat> add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, <clears throat> and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, that ye shall neither be, never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal is to improve every day in living that Christian life. The Apostle Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are to grow and to mature. And we are to strive to do better every day. I tell people sometimes when they obey the gospel, you're not going to change immediately overnight. Your goal is. And there's things that you know that you should not do and you should stop doing those things. But as you grow as a Christian, you start to learn more and more and more about God's will. And as you grow, you realize there's things that you may have in your life that you need to get rid of. And there's things that you may need to put into your life that's missing. And so our goal is to become a better Christian every day. And if whatever you're having a, a doubts about, then maybe you shouldn't do those things. Because they're not going to help you to become a better Christian. Because ultimately that's our goal. <clears throat> to be what God wants us to be. And the last question. Will it help lead others to Christ? You think about that list of questions that I gave. Is that going to help people get closer to Christ? Is it going to draw them to Christ? Smoking, drinking, dancing... Playing the lottery, missing church, all those things. Is that going to help draw people closer to God? Is it going to help them to see the hope that you have in your life? <clears throat> those things that I mentioned at the beginning of the lesson. If not, then why would we want to have those things in our lives? Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. We have a great responsibility <clears throat> to take the gospel into the world. And it's not that we just go preach it. The world needs to see us living it. That's really where it makes a difference. Is when people see the hope that we have. And it generates questions. And we have an opportunity to teach. Mark chapter 8 verses 36 through 38 for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What does it do if we exchange our soul for all the riches in this world? Our lives are so important as a Christian. God has given us a tremendous responsibility. 
In that great commission, Jesus gave us a tremendous responsibility of taking the gospel to the world. He didn't leave that to the government. He didn't leave it to society. He left it to us as Christians to lead people to Christ. And ask yourselves those questions that <clears throat> we've gone over. And is the activity or the, the opinion that you're, you're dealing with, the, the doubt, if you would go ahead and do those things, is that going to lead someone to Christ? If not, then I think that we know the answer. So what's your conclusion according to the Bible? Whatever your doubt or whatever your question may be, is it right or is it wrong? And I encourage you to be honest with yourself because that's what God wants us to be. <clears throat> Those are some of the things that we can ask ourselves <clears throat> that helps us to determine what is right and what is wrong. And certainly we know that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We need to understand that that gospel is something that is very important that we preach, that we obey. And the gospel is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he rose victorious on the over the grave on the third day. And because he did that, you and I can have the forgiveness of sin. And we comply with the conditions that he has set forth in his word. We realize that we have to believe, and before we can believe, we have to hear that word. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We realize, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, that we must have faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must repent of our sins. As Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. We make that great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, just like the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. And then just like the Ethiopian eunuch who went down in that water, both he and Philip, they went down in that water and he was baptized. What for? For the remission of sin. Just like Jesus taught. Just like Jesus told his disciples to go and preach. Just like you and I or to go out into the world and preach. He was baptized, and he came up out of that water, and the Bible says that that eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, you can go on your way rejoicing if you'll become one tonight. <clears throat> if you are a Christian, maybe you've had doubts, maybe you've had questions. Hopefully this lesson has helped you to settle some of those thoughts in your mind. Those are good questions, I think, that helps us to you know, be realistic with ourselves and honest with ourselves. If we will choose to do those things that the Bible teaches us. So tonight, if you're not, haven't lived as you should and you need our prayers and our encouragement, we're here to help you in any way that we can. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.